welcome to the Seeking Pearls podcast. Today we are on our second episode of a new series I started last week. This series is about praying for our kids as they head back to school. Last week in episode one of this series, we talked about praying the armor of God onto our kids and our families. So putting each piece of the armor of God from Ephesians chapter six onto our kids to protect them against spiritual battle that they will encounter in school, but also, of course, everywhere we go, every day of our lives, we encounter spiritual battle in this world. And so putting on the armor of God. Today, we're going to talk about praying the presence of God over our kids. And the presence of God will express itself primarily in three ways. And we will look at each of those in the next three episodes. So as we experience the presence of God in our lives, we will pray about Uh, praying the power of God in our kids' lives, praying the peace of God in our kids' life, and praying the love of God over our kids' lives. So those are the ways that the presence of God will express itself and that God will make his presence known to our kids. But today we're going to take a step back and really just talk about what it means to pray for the presence of God to come over our kids as they head back to school. But of course, this could apply to anybody at any time. It doesn't have to be about school. But my kids start school on Thursday, and I shared in the last episode that my prayer time and pretty much all of my disciplines in the summer, except for Bible reading, I stay pretty on point with Bible reading, but my prayer time, my workouts, my eating habits have really suffered this summer. Prayer being the most important one that has suffered the most. And so now I'm stepping it back up. I'm like getting back into a routine of prayer time. And a huge part of that is because my kids are going back to school and I know that it's my job to make sure that they are spiritually ready for school. And so praying for them is a top priority right now and always. (laughs) But I just want to step into what does it mean to pray the presence of God over our kids? So my kids go to public school and one of the one thing that really always gets me fired up is when uh, when people talk about how we have taken God out of the schools that we no longer are allowing God in our public schools and that gets me fired up because it's impossible to remove God from our public schools nobody is taking God out of our public schools sure they might say that we no longer can pray before meals in public school although in, I don't know in my lifetime if that has ever been a routine anywhere in a public school. Maybe maybe in my parents' lifetime. I don't even know if it was when they were children. So I don't know when that was a pattern in public schools. But certainly nobody has ever told my own kids like that they can't pray before a meal. Like Of course, anybody can pray at any time. No one needs permission for that. And I understand that a teacher cannot teach biblical truth as truth that a child needs to believe in public schools. I understand that, but by no means does that mean that a teacher can't share with a child that Jesus loves them, that one child to another can't tell another child that Jesus loves them, that my kids can't talk openly about their faith in school. They certainly can, and they do and nobody has taken that away from them. And so there is no way we can take God out of the public schools. And primarily, the reason that we can't take God out of school is it's it's not in our power to do that because God himself lives inside our kids. 
And so as long as our kids are filled with the Holy Spirit, God is going with them wherever they go. So God is going into our public schools far more than anyone could possibly know or imagine because he's living inside of us. So we have not removed God from the schools. We cannot remove God from the schools. God goes to school with our kids, every kid and teacher and staff person who is filled with the Holy Spirit is carrying God into the public schools. And and God owns it all anyway. The, the Psalms say that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. So God will go where God will go. And yet, today we are going to talk about what does it mean to specifically pray the presence of God to go with our kids. Like, he goes with them anyway because he lives inside of them. But what does it mean that I would pray like a unique or special anointing of his presence over my kids as they go into their school buildings? What would that look like? How do I do that? And how can I use scripture to help me understand what that might mean? So a little background to this. Um, When my kids and I were doing memory verses a few years ago, one of our memory verses was... Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20, which I'll read with you, or it's like 18 through 20. I'll read to you, and then I'll uh, tell you a little story about this. Jesus came to his disciples and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded to you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. All right, so that was Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. So we were working on this as a memory verse. And then as my kids were headed to school one morning, I was just saying a quick prayer for them and prayed that Jesus would be with them. And my daughter stopped me and she said, Mom, I don't really think you have to pray that Jesus will be with us. And I was like, oh, really? Why not? And she was like, because the memory verse says, surely I will be with you always to the end of the age. So if he already promised to be with us, Why are you praying that he'll be with us? (laughs) What a great question. Like, Jesus is going to go with my kids everywhere they go. So then why would I pray that his presence would go with them? Well, I think we can see in scripture that, yes, Jesus is always with us. And yet there seems to be times when it's appropriate to pray for a special anointing of the Spirit or that God would make himself known to our kids so that he would make his presence known in such a way that they could almost feel or see it in a in an almost sensory way. So I don't mean to be able to touch and see and feel the presence of God the way they can another person, but in such a way that it is undeniable that God is with them, that they feel it like deep, in their core of their being, like down to their bones, they just know that God is there. They feel his power and his peace and his love, which we'll get into each of those aspects in the coming weeks. Uh, and I want to share with you biblically why I believe this is important for us to do and and how we can go about doing this. So first of all, I want to share with you from Exodus chapter 33, one of my favorite accounts of Moses. So Moses has already been up on the mountain with God and received the Ten Commandments. But while he was on the mountain with God receiving the Ten Commandments, the people down below were getting bored of waiting. And they decided to make a golden calf 
And Moses went down from the mountain with the tablets in his hands, and he broke the tablets out of anger that the people had made a golden calf. And God is understandably very upset with his people and tells Moses, I will send an angel to go before you into the promised land that I'm giving you, but I'm not going to go with you. The Israelites with this nation, they have disowned me. They have not followed me. I'm not going to go with you, but I am going to have an angel move along with you and to lead you into the promised land. And Moses intercedes for the people. Now, I would say, I just want to give my thought on this. Uh, I have studied this text quite a bit, trying to think, okay, why is God saying he's not going to go with his people? He loves his people. I really do believe that this is a test for Moses. Just like in Genesis, I believe that God is giving Abram a test when he says he's going to destroy the city of Sodom and Abram keeps interceding and asks, well, what if there's 50 righteous people? What if there's 40 righteous people? And gets all the way down to 10. I really believe that God is inviting, in that case, Abram, and in this case, Moses. I believe God is inviting them to intercede and to pray and kind of giving them a test. Like, I say I'm going to step back in this relationship. I'm giving you space to see if you will ask for more from me. Ask for my presence. Ask for my mercy. Like, do you trust me enough that you will ask me to to be with the people, to save the people, to intercede for the people? Do you trust me enough to know that you can do that, that we have the type of relationship where you can ask me these things? So I really, I really believe this is a test for Moses. And here's how Moses responds. It talks about right after God says he's not going to go with the people. Then in in, um, Exodus chapter 33, starting at verse 7, we get this beautiful description of the tent of meeting where Moses goes into the tent of meeting each day and talks to the Lord. And it says that the Lord speaks to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. So while they are in the tent of meeting, Moses has this conversation with the Lord. So this is Exodus 33. I'm going to start reading at verse 12. Moses said to the Lord, you've been telling me lead these people, but you have not let me know who you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name, and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so that I might know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. The Lord replied, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and that we are your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing that you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. I just think this is so remarkable. Like it's so amazing to me because God already told Moses, look, this nation, the nation of Israel, they are stiff-necked. They made a golden calf right after agreeing to the Ten Commandments. You know, and the first commandment says, I am the Lord your God. You shall have no other gods before me. And then because they got impatient while we were on the mountain, uh, they made a golden calf like right after this. They are a stiff-necked, stubborn people, and I'm not going to go with them. Right after God gave Moses that test, what I believe was a test, Moses goes into the tent of meeting 
and just prays and beseeches, intercedes for the people of God and says, if you don't go with us, do not send us out of here. If you don't, if you're not going to go, don't make us go either. And then God says, because I think God is honoring Moses because Moses was faithful and asked. He interceded for the people. He asked God, please go with us. Be with your people. Let your presence come with us. So God honored Moses' prayer and God said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And then I love, even after God said, okay, I'm going to go with you. Like I'm answering your prayer. I'm so glad that you interceded for the people. I am going to go with you. Even after that, Moses went a step further and then he said, if you don't go with us, don't send us. (laughs) And then he gave his reason. How will anyone, like in the promised land, where we're going, how will any of them know that we belong to you? And how will they know who you are if we are not distinguished by your presence? So like, God, we have to have your presence with us to make us distinguished, to set us apart so that the other people who don't yet know you, so they see us, so that they see the way we live, so that they know that there is a God in heaven that we worship who is above all other false gods that the people in the land are worshiping, and then we can let them know about the one true God. But if you don't go with us, they won't see that, we won't be distinguished, and no one will know. So you have to go with us. I just love how Moses continues to make his case. Even after God said, okay, I'll go with you, Moses keeps making his case. Like he keeps leaning into the presence of God and really begging, begging for the presence of God. Why? To set the people apart, to distinguish the Israelites from all other nations on the earth. Why? So that all other nations on the earth would come to know the one true God. That was the heart of Moses, and that is the heart of God. And that is why Moses wanted God's presence to be with them. And that is why we need the presence of God to go with our kids into their public schools. We need it. It's absolutely crucial. It's necessary. It has to happen that the presence of God would go with our kids into the public school. Yes, to protect my kids, but more importantly than anything else, so that everybody else in the schools who does not know the one true God might see some kids who are distinguished, might see some kids where there's just something different about those kids. They are filled with a spirit that that the other kids might not be able to understand, but they want it. The kids who aren't filled with the Holy Spirit yet might not know what that is, but something will set apart the kids who know the Lord Jesus. The Holy Spirit will radiate out of our kids, distinguishing our kids, setting them apart, and drawing others to the Lord Jesus Christ himself. That is why we need the presence of God to go with our kids into the public schools. And of course he will because he lives inside of them. But we need God to express himself, to show himself, to be the aroma through our kids, permeating through our kids, to be the aroma of Christ through our kids. And we can pray that God would do that in power and might and mercy and love and grace 
every single day as our kids headed into school so that our buildings get permeated with the aroma of Christ. That is our job as praying parents. To be like Moses, interceding for the people. God, go to school with my kids. Go to school with my kids so that they are distinguished and so that all the other kids in the building will know that you are the one true God, that there is a God in heaven who loves them, who loves them. Go to school with my kids, dear God. All right, another Bible story I want to share with you, just a couple more about this is uh, from 2 Kings. This is one of my favorite passages about the presence of God and God making his presence known. So we talked a little bit earlier about how if our kids are filled with the Holy Spirit, we have the assurance from Jesus himself, I will be with you always till the end of the age, all the time. He lives inside of our kids. And yet, can he go to school with our kids or go anywhere with our kids in a, in, a, in a special and unique way where he makes himself more known, where he makes himself known in a way that is almost sensory. So there's no way that our kids could forget the presence of God. Would God be with them in such a way that they can't deny his presence? They just, they feel his presence. So I want to share an, a story from the scriptures about that and how we can pray this over our kids. We can pray for our kids that they would see with spiritual eyes that they could see the presence of God. All right, so this is from 2 Kings chapter 6. So what's going on here is the prophet Elisha, not Elijah, but Elisha in 2 Kings, he is he keeps, because the word of the Lord continues to come to him about battles that the people of Israel are engaged in, he keeps telling the king of Israel where the Arameans are going to attack. And the king of the Arameans is getting pretty upset because he's like, how does Israel keep knowing? And and the king of Ar- the Arameans thinks that somebody is, that one of his um, people is a spy. And he finds out, look, none of, none of our people are a spy, but Elisha, the prophet of Israel, keeps learning from God himself and telling the king of Israel, uh, where we're going to be. And that's why they, they always know what, what's going to happen. <laughs> and so uh, the king of the Arameans says, go find out where this prophet is, Elisha, so that I can send men and capture him. The report came back, Elisha is in Dothan. So the king sent horses and chariots and a strong force there. They went by night and they surrounded the city. When the servant of the man of God, okay, so the man of God here is Elisha, and his servant is probably somebody he's training up as a prophet. When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early that morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. In the text there, when he says, oh no, my Lord, that is lowercase, he's referring to Elisha basically calling him master. Oh no, my master. What shall we do? The servant said. Don't be afraid, Elisha answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. 
one of the most incredible passages in the Old Testament. Sometimes when our kids go to school, they might feel like they are surrounded by an enemy, an unseen enemy. I mean, remember last week when we talked about the spirit, when we were talking about the armor of God, we learned that our enemy is not flesh and blood. So when I say when our kids go to school, they might feel that they're surrounded by an enemy. I do not mean kids and teachers. I mean their spiritual enemy, Satan and his demons. Our kids might feel like I am surrounded, like there is just like enemy forces all over the place. There's darkness. There's lies. There are uh, There's bullies, certainly. Kids who are filled with hatred and anger and jealousy and they express that in ways that can be very very cruel again it's not the kids who are the enemy by no means it is the spiritual forces of evil uh, that that do often work within people or work through people and so our kids might go to school and they might feel like the servant of Elisha here where they go into the building and they feel all of a sudden like I am surrounded by the enemy and they might think oh no what are we going to do and we can be the Elisha in this situation for our kids we have to be the Elisha in this situation for our kids praying that God would make his presence known that is what Elisha did Elisha knew that God's presence was there and was powerful and mighty he knew that there were armies of angels surrounding them and that the armies of angels were more powerful than any enemy forces coming against them. He knew. And so what he did is he prayed, Lord, let him see. Let him see your presence. Let him see that you are bigger, that you are more powerful, that you are going to care for us, that you've got this, that you are on our side. Let him see, Lord. So we can take that Elisha role. We need to. We are the praying parent. We need to take that Elisha role and pray that God would make his presence known to our kids. Lord, open her eyes. Let her see that you are there. Let her see that you are full of love for her. Let her see the people who are who are standing up for her. Even if somebody else is making fun of her, let her see those who are standing up for her. Let her see those who want to sit with her at the table. Let her see those who have her back, who are never going to let her down. Let her see you, Lord, and that you love her and that you have called her by name and that you have a plan for her life and that you have redeemed her and set her free. Let her see you, Lord. Let her see that you are present there and that you have not and you will never leave her alone. Let her see you, God. And sometimes the way that God lets us see might be the way that this servant saw, like he literally saw Like in a physical way, he saw the armies of God there. We cannot diminish that and we can't discount that because God is still the same God and sometimes he's going to open their eyes and they are going to see the presence of God in some way that they can actually see with their eyes. And then in other ways and probably more often, they're going to see it with like the eyes of their heart or the eyes of their mind. They're going to have the eyes of their heart opened and they're going to see God's presence in a new way. 
Both of them are real, both of them are powerful, and we can't discount one and say one is real and one isn't. They're both real, but we need to pray the presence of God that he makes his presence known to our kids. I want to share with you the prayer of King David, and this is what I would want for my kids. I would want my kids to be so assured of the presence of God that they could pray like David prayed. I'm going to read from Psalm 139, just the first 12 verses, and I want you to just see how totally confident King David is of the presence of God. I don't know if David wrote this psalm during his years as a shepherd or during his years on the run from Saul or during his years when he was king. I'm not sure which part of David's life he wrote this psalm, but he was completely confident in the presence of God. He knew that God was with him all of the time. And this is how I want my kids to experience God in the midst of their public schools. So Psalm 139, you have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all of my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me, the light become night around me, Even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for the darkness is as light to you. No matter where David went, he knew there was no place he could go where God is not with him. The presence of God was so real, so tangible to David that he said, If I go to the other side of the sea, you're there. Your right hand is still holding me fast. If I say the darkness will hide and cover over me, he knows, but your light, God, is going to permeate right through that darkness and it will no longer be dark to you because you're there and you are light. (laughs) He says, you hem me in. I love that. You hem me in. God is a hem around David behind and before him and he lays his hand upon David. Where can I go to get away from your presence? Nowhere. Nowhere. No matter where I am, you are there with your hand upon me. It is so real to David. He can feel it deep down in his bones, never wondering if he is away from the presence of God, always knowing that God's presence is right there with him. That is what I want for my kids. That is the power of God, the presence of God, the peace of God, the love of God. And we'll talk about individually about each one of those things. But that's how, that's how I want them to know the presence of God when they go into their public schools. God, would you make your presence so real to them, so known to them? Would you lay your presence over the whole building like a blanket, Cover the, bl- the building like a blanket. 
Oftentimes, if I'm in a school parking lot or if I'm on a walk or a run where I'm near the building, oftentimes I will just reach out my hands in the direction of the building and I will pray the presence of God to be like a blanket that is covering over the entire building. God, would your presence lay over this building like a blanket, like a thick, warm, weighted blanket where your presence is there to comfort and to give peace and to protect, cover the building with your presence and make it known. Like if you are laying down and you're not feeling very well and somebody comes over, even if you are like almost asleep and somebody comes over to you and covers you with a warm weighted blanket, there's nothing better, that nothing can feel better like in the whole world at that time. And that's how I pray the presence of God over our school buildings. Occasionally, if I'm waiting for a kid to come out, if I'm picking him up at the building, I will just pray that as I sit in my car, let your presence, God, permeate the building. Let the aroma of Christ just go through all of the kids and the staff that know you and those who are filled with your spirit. Would Holy Spirit, aroma of God, would you just permeate out of them and fill the building like as if with the aroma of like fresh baked bread that just draws people to you and cover the building with your presence like a blanket. So just praying the presence of God over the building and through the building, in the hallways of the building. In the closing thoughts, one of the things that I love about Joseph's story, so I know we've been kind of all over the Bible today. We've been with Moses, we've been with David, we've been with Elisha, and now we're going to go be with Joseph for just a little while from Genesis chapter 39. So when Joseph gets sold into slavery from his brothers, it says that when he sold into slavery in Potiphar's house, he says it says in the Genesis 39 text, it says, but the Lord was with Joseph and made him prosper. Uh, but then Potiphar's wife got really mad and made up some lies about Joseph and he got thrown in jail. And one of my favorite verses from the entire Joseph story is found in Genesis chapter 39, verses 20 and 21. It's the second half of 20, so 20b and then 21, and it says, but while Joseph was in prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. I just find that astounding. But while Joseph was in prison, the Lord was with him. Look, we can't kick God out of the public schools. There is no such thing as kicking God out of the public schools. It's impossible. Who are we as humans to think that we could kick God out of anywhere? <laughs> we can't. He's God. He owns it all. And he lives inside of our kids. And he is willing to go anywhere. He went to prison with Joseph. He went to the lion's den with Daniel. He went into the fiery furnace with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He went to the cross with Jesus. God will go anywhere to be with our kids. So he certainly is going to go to school with our kids. He went to prison with Joseph, and Joseph knew it. Joseph knew that the Lord was with him because the Lord granted him kindness and favor in the eyes of the prison warden. And Joseph knew it was because of the presence of God. We see that throughout 
the story of Joseph is we know that Joseph knew that God was the one who was with him and who was showing him the kindness and that God was smiling upon him with favor and giving him his grace. And so as we pray for our kids, as they head back to school, yes, we are, we are promised by Jesus, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. Yes and amen. Let us stand firm on that. Let us also press into that and say, Jesus, we know that you are with our kids. We know you're with our kids. Would you let them know? Would you make your presence known to him today? Would you make your presence known to her today? Open her eyes and let her see. Give her favor and kindness today. Let him know, let her know that you are with him or her in a mighty and powerful way. Pour your presence upon them like a blanket covering over them. Cover over our kids with your presence today, Lord Jesus. Amen and amen.